Computers are live. Mixer is up. Levels are good. Equalizer is good. Ready channels one and two. Mic is live in three, two, one. Roll it. Welcome, listeners, to the My Practice My Business podcast, where we teach dentists and their teams how to reclaim forgotten profitability in dentistry with our clinical business of dentistry training. And now, the host of our show, the clinical director at My Practice My Business, Dr. Rob Thorup. Welcome, dental team members, to the My Practice My Business podcast. I'm Dr. Rob Thorup. I'm your host of the show. Today's topic is alveolar ridge preservation and fear. That's right. It was July of 2017. A 43-year-old male patient came into my office complaining of pain in number 27. Much to my surprise, he was missing all lower molars and bicuspids, and he had a RPD anchoring on both uh, mandibular canines. He also had a full maxillary denture that flopped around like a fish out of water. You know what I'm talking about. The remaining lower mandibular teeth, 22 through 27, were not in the best of condition, and those needed to be removed. Sounds like your typical, uh, my hygiene was never the greatest story, right? After further examination, it was obvious his alveolar ridges were atrophied, resorbed, non-existent, and all this in just under three years. Can you believe that? So I gave him a treatment plan to remove the remaining teeth and the option to place bone in the socket sites to preserve the remaining alveolar ridge on his mandible. And here it comes. He said to me, Dr. Rob, that was never offered to me before when they removed my other teeth nearly three years back. No, I did not slam his previous dentist for not offering that because maybe that person didn't know how to do ridge preservation procedure. Not one of us are perfect, and we would do well to teach each other instead of one-up our colleagues that maybe we should just be nice. And yes, this patient had money to pay for his needed oral health care. So this patient, his ridge, he didn't have a lot of ridge where the teeth were extracted. First time he'd ever heard of ridge augmentation or preservation and never offered it before. We don't slam our colleagues, and he had money. Just want to make that clear, okay? So I ended up referring him to two oral surgeons and one periodontist to look at the possibility of implant-retained dentures or fixed prosthetics, and not one of those specialists wanted to touch this case for implant placement for the maxillary arch nor the mandibular posterior. This was one of those severe cases that we see from time to time with that much bone loss. But what would have been this patient's outcome had the previous healthcare providers, previous dentists, whoever took out those teeth before me, placed bone in each of those sockets with a collagen membrane over the top of the whatever bone choice you want to choose. I like the synthetics. And then suturing over the top of that collagen membrane to prevent that connective tissue from growing down into those sites. I have several patients who have upper and lower dentures with exceptional fit and function. These patients that I have, unfortunately for my job security, (laughs) think about that, have not needed implants to retain their dentures. 
their dentures are solid on these ridges because we we preserved the maxillary and mandibular ridges with ridge preservation when we took out the teeth. The only reason for this is the fact that they elected to have that ridge preservation. Not just that I offered them that choice, but they chose to have it. All of them have ridges that, you know, Olympic skiers could ski half pipes on, you know. That's my stand-up comedy, but you get the picture, okay? The outcomes and options for implant placement increase significantly when we maintain optimal dimensions of the alveolar ridge by placing bone in the sockets following that tooth removal. Without bone placement, that buccal, lingual, and apical coronal aspects of the alveolar ridge become compromised. It's been shown that the alveolar ridge can lose up to 50% of its original width and height if ridge preservation is not completed. That's in the literature. That's a terrible amount of bone loss, which we as healthcare providers are causing when we don't offer this procedure to our patients. I implemented this procedure in my practice back in 1992 uh, after I attended an update course from clinical research, which back in that day was called Clinical Research Associates. Um, And it was in Park City, Utah, middle of winter. And I can honestly say that I've had less than a dozen patients opt out of alveolar ridge preservation since that time and just go with the extraction only. Case acceptance is simple for ridge preservation with our patent-pending software, My Dental Docs, because the documents, they teach why this is needed, okay? And when the patient understands why ridge preservation is needed, they're more readily to accept that case acceptance, even though it's more expensive than just a regular extraction. There's four key points we use when presenting this treatment to our patients. The first key point is it maintains the periodontal integrity of the adjacent teeth. Now, I know you've all seen this where, where teeth, especially when they're in close proximity to each other, if you take the tooth out, if say you take number three out, two and four oftentimes will create bony defects on the, uh, the interproximals where the tooth was extracted. And of course, that can cause sensitivity. But if you place bone, In that socket site, it maintains that periodontal integrity of the adjacent teeth. Second thing it does is it preserves the right for future implant placement. I just had a patient in today, a new patient in today, that again, 18 and 19 were extracted on him, and he was never offered uh, ridge preservation by the last dentist that took the teeth out. And that jawbone has already become knife-edged, and compromised. We have that inferior alveolar nerve staring right at us anytime we go to place an implant in. And here's point number three. It maintains the ridge integrity for better implant options. So meaning when we place bone in the socket sites, we can put wider body implants in there. Uh, I've used a lot of wide body implants like Keystone, uh, their Max implant. Think about the the uh, crown emergence profile that comes off a wider body implant versus some skinny little runt that you place down there in the jawbone. Man, lab technicians go nuts every time they see like a 3.2 
sitting in a mandible where there's got to be a huge first molar build on it. it it's just, oh, it's a nightmare for, uh, for our lab technicians to do that. And the fourth thing, the fourth point is it improves the fit for fixed and removable prosthetic options should the patient choose to go with that route instead of an implant. For me, if a patient has a crown on each side of the tooth coming out, I'm going to lean them into a three-unit bridge. I know a lot of you will disagree with me on that, but I've got patients that have been running that way for over 20 years and still happy and clean, and the bridge is perfect and functioning great. And it's also instant gratification in two weeks, two days, instead of, you know, eight to ten months, depending on how you like to do your restorations. So this past year in our clinical business of dentistry introductory training course, I have asked nearly 100 offices if they routinely offer socket preservation to every patient they do an extraction on, especially second molars forward. Less than 10% of our attendees said they do it. Less than 10%. And this, these are lectures going on in Utah, Colorado, Idaho, and New Mexico. I'm blown away that, that all you colleagues of mine are not offering this treatment to your patients. It's one of the most fantastic and profitable procedures you can do. So... Being a private investigator in the state of Utah, I naturally pushed the questions, and I searched for reasons why my colleagues would not offer this procedure to every patient they treat with an extraction procedure. The answer most commonly uttered was not what I was anticipating. At one of our seminars in our, in our training facility here in Cottonwood Heights, Utah, I literally stopped the presentation when I got to the this uh, point in teaching ridge preservation. And, and I, when I asked how many, of, how many of you out there are doing this, and, and in a room, this room was filled with 14 dentists and their teams. And one office manager whose dentist was not in attendance said, you know, sometimes we do it, but most of the time we don't. And I stopped right there. I put my, my clicker down, <laughs> laser pointer, I folded my arms and I said, you know what, my friends, we are not moving forward in this presentation until you can explain to me why you're not offering this procedure. I assume all of you know how to do it. And I said, is there anyone here who doesn't know how to take a syringe of bone, squirt it in the site, pack it with a 3-4 condenser, Stick a collagen membrane over the top and suture a web suture over the top of that to hold it in. Is there anybody here that doesn't know how to do that? And all of them said, yeah, yeah, we know how to do that. And I said, please tell me why you're not. And I said, you can talk amongst yourselves. And I just sat there and I stared at them. And what was amazing to me is they started talking amongst themselves. Well, why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? I mean, we're talking like a $297 procedure for a surgical extraction up to like, a, depending on if they're insured or uninsured, somewhere between $1,100 for an insured patient or about $1,500, $1,600 for an uninsured patient for this procedure. And I jokingly said, you mean to tell me that you're going to charge me somewhere between $1,100 and $1,500, $1,600 for an extraction? And they all looked at me and laughed and, and they said, well, no, we're charging you for the ability to preserve your jawbone for the very four reasons you just said 
that is the reason why we do it. I said, okay, so why aren't you offering that in the dream of planning phase to your patients? And the main reason it came down to that they all agreed upon was fear. Can you believe that? You dentists do amazing things, and you're afraid of one little thing almost all the time, and that's talking finances with your patients. You're the CEO of your company. Enough's enough. Talk with them. We tackle head-on insurance nonsense. Patients who hate us but keep coming back to us, even ones that we send them dismissal letters and they still end up coming back. We deal with screaming kids in our ears and bite marks in our fingers, insatiable employees, (laughs) meeting payroll twice a month. Come on, why would we fear offering this to our patients. What in the world does fear have to do with alveolar ridge preservation? So I asked, and the number one reason was the potential of rejection by the patient due to the cost of the procedure. And not just rejection, but the fear they'll go elsewhere for their dental care. Oh my goodness. That's one of the things that we teach on heavily at My Practice, My Business. Your brand should not be the dentist down the road's brand. Do you think that Disney World cares what Universal does? Do you think that Cabela's cares what uh, Sportsman's Warehouse does? Not really. They're each their own brand. Well, everyone who's attended one of our courses knows exactly what I think of that nonsense. Hence our watermark term, clinical business of dentistry. It's just fine to charge for what you do, to make a profit, to provide for you, your family, your team. This procedure is one of the greatest of your healthcare skills that you can provide your patient. When your patients understand why you're recommending this procedure, believe me, they'll be happy to pay for it and happy to accept it. They almost always choose oral healthcare over corporate America and and their discretionary funds when they become emotionally attached to that recommended treatment you have offered them, okay? And as all of our clients will tell you, nothing teaches the why better than the treatment documents out of my dental docs. Bottom line, you absolutely need to give your patients the choice because it absolutely should be their choice. Um, I had a, one of our clients, uh, they have three offices and it's ran by an individual. You might've heard me say this before. It's ran by an individual who has an MBA and he said, Rob, If you don't give choice where there is a choice, that's very misleading. That's what we learn in business classes. So so it's almost like dishonest, not giving your patient a choice and and letting it be their option. And it's amazing. You're not being salesy when you're giving patients choice. You're providing them services that will affect them the rest of their lives. And it'll affect you in a positive way if they say yes. That's a win-win. You guys, there's four main codes that you can charge your patient when you do this procedure. Four main codes. First of all, that D7210 code, extraction surgical of erupted tooth. And I don't use the lesser codes. I honestly don't know what a routine extraction is. Anytime I remove a body part from a patient, I'm pretty sure that that should be classified as something surgical. Okay? And... uh it, it's like maybe that's the medical side, my EMS side coming out of me. Some of you who know me know that uh, I worked EMS uh, for years and years, put myself through school, undergraduate school doing that. 
And uh, even when I came back from dental school, I volunteered with uh, Alpine Highland American Fork EMS for eight and a half years. So I know what medical does, and we need to start thinking like them a little bit more. Uh, the other code, the next one is D7953. That's bone replacement graft, uh, ridge preservation per site, okay, per site. And that used to be a, a periodontal code. Um, and I can't remember the code it used to be, but we don't use the perio code anymore. But what's really funny about that code is insurances up until just a year ago last January, their reimbursement rates were like 100 bucks. So everybody, every one of us that knows this procedure, we were still using the perio code. Finally, the insurance companies uh, pulled their proverbial noggin out of their proverbial rear hinder binder, and they, uh, they started to go, oh, man, we got to, if they're going to use these codes in oral surgery, we've got to bump up that fee, and they did. They finally bumped up the reimbursement to where it was basically equal with the uh, periodontal code. Okay, the next code is D4266. That's guided tissue regeneration resorbable. That's for the membrane. Folks, I like taking color plugs and I cut them into sections because why? They're round. What are roots? They're round pretty much. Okay, so if you cut them into sections and, uh, and, and you just keep it sterile, pick those up, put them in the Put them in a uh, little dish that can be autoclaved, but we don't autoclave it till we're done. And it's kind of like playing the game operation. If you're going to pull them out of there, you don't touch anything else. If you do, everything gets thrown away. So maintain sterility there. And with a molar, it takes two or three of those. But with a, with a single root, just one. One will do the job. And then the next code is one that most dentists fear charging for, which is hilarious. Because in medicine, we charge this all the time. That code is D7911, complicated suture up to five centimeters. Complicated suture, amazing. Uh, you're sewing a web over the top of that membrane to hold it in. That's complicated in my definition. So the use of these codes alone makes this procedure valued. Just those four codes valued at over $1,000 in most states. There's four more codes that we teach at the uh, clinical business dentistry training uh, that will take that procedure over $1,500 in most regions. That's one of the caveats we train our uh, offices on. And, of course, that's one of our secret sauces, a little plug there for our training. But those, just those four codes alone, you guys, will, it is super profitable, okay? And what a great service you're providing your patients. Look them up. Charge them out. Those additional codes are value-added procedures that we teach, uh, the ones that I'm talking about that add another $500. And like I said, when coupled with our explanation to the patient and informational documents from my dental docs, our patients rarely say no to this amazing procedure. Rarely say no. So what I want you guys to do is stop fearing. Don't fear presenting that to your patient. You really do provide your patients with unbelievable products and services, and you should never feel guilty to be paid for them and paid for what you do. If you want to learn more about the clinical business of dentistry and how to provide value-added services that you can offer your patients with need-based dentistry, we're not talking about teaching you how to do all-on-fours and you know big stuff like that, no. If you want to learn how to, how to, uh, how to increase your revenue, um, give us a call. 
services that insurance companies cannot regulate or control are the things that, that we teach you about. So attend one of our introductory seminars. They're powerful. That'll give you a, a good one to learn about. Oftentimes I'm lecturing at uh, the Utah Dental Association convention. Uh, I am currently this year in April, so that'd be a good one for you to attend uh, of 2019 here. And, and if that business light turns on in your head, our master's program will take you the rest of the way. It'll be one of the best decisions you'll make in your, uh, in your career. But I hope you guys will uh, consider strongly the alveolar ridge uh, uh, procedure because that procedure is the one that allows you so much more flexibility when it comes to the restorations that you place in your patient's mouths. Your patients will be happy. You'll be happy. It's a win-win. Thanks for tuning in to the My Practice, My Business podcast. You can find additional podcasts you may have missed that will help you with your dental practice at Apple Podcasts. And remember to become a subscriber to our podcast. Many of you have asked how to help support this podcast. If you enjoyed the program and information, the best way to help us is by leaving us a five-star review. We look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, thanks so much and have a great day.